plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome to an opening week edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. We've already subbed out uh, Marcus Thompson. Me and Tim Kawakami are sticking to a two-man rotation today. <laughs> Load management from Marcus Thompson. That's okay. Uh, we all have to get our times, and MT has other business. It's all good. We'll, we'll, we'll continue on and try to maintain a very high level, if possible. He owes me an extra all 82 now. It's just there you you go. Know, the balance of the scales. Put it in um, the bank. I feel like the easiest way to format this podcast, Tim, is like, you know, it's an 11 man rotation right now. Let's just, I, I, you know, they played one game. We can't have these, like, you know, broad <laughs> thoughts on the team yet, but we could just go, I guess, player by player down the rotation. Like, just what do you think of them in the debut, really? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, 10 and a half, let's say, because Moody was kind of in. He's at least out. discussable, yeah. though. Yes, you know, he's just in because... that 11 man conversation. No question. Though they're not going to play 11. I mean, Steve has done it in the past. I don't think there's any good set idea how you can actually do 11 man rotation throughout the season so somebody's it's going to be 10 and a half or 10 and so let's talk about that generally uh because you know i love this kind of stuff so let's go yes yes i figured it would work um yeah again and maybe we will start with clay thompson because to me he opens up the 11 right now because he can play like 20 minutes he he played the first five minutes of the game. I think I looked up, it was like 7-12 of the first quarter when he was getting pulled. And then he wasn't even in the bench area. I was actually wondering, like, well, you know, because he did the thing that he hated last year, right, when he came back, which was play the first five minutes, but because he's on like a 20-ish minute limit, don't play until like basically the final five minutes of the first quarter. He did it differently in the second half, but in that first half, that's what happened. And he went to the back. He, I was chatting with him a little bit post game. He went down and was like taking jumpers in the practice facility while the game was going on to kind of keep himself warm. Even though he's on that similar limit than he was when he came back first last year, his body does feel better. He's looking kind of bouncy out there. We've only seen him twice, the last preseason game and the first game, but I believe he had 18 and 20 minutes in the opener and he had he hit six threes when that game, the stats didn't work. One general thing, I talked to him a little bit, I think it was there when you were there, is how much he hates just sitting and watching. Like this whole two years off, and then he worked into it last season. So he had that weird time. You know, he he was absolutely had to be limited minutes. But like he wants to play. Like he is just dying to play. And I think we're seeing it in the bounciness. Also, the, the fact he's going to take a lot of shots. That's always Clay, but that's maybe even more Clay now. And you know, he's feeling good. He, he is really he's feeling good right now. And the stuff about not playing pickup in the summer, like he talked about it, but you know, it wasn't a physical thing. So he wants to play. I mean, you could just see him. He wants to play 30, 35, 40 minutes if he possibly can. Like he was in the finals. They won't do that. They played him 20. He was out at 20, right? He was out at 20 and then he was off the bench even. Like I don't think he even wanted to see it. I'm sure he watches on TV or something, but he just didn't want to be sitting there unable to play when his guys were deciding the game. But he looks, he's bouncy. I keep writing. I, I think they're moving him kind of towards a small forward position more than the two guard. He just started two guard. They even mentioned a little power forward, and that, that'll that get towards like when you want, when they're trying to fit Moody and DiVincenzo in, like you can 
downsize Clay. They have an abundance of that two three position to get him and you know ones because if Jordan Poole is now part of you know, like he is the part of the, he's playing thirty minutes a game. That's it. That's decided. He better be making the money he's making. So there's some bumping around in the rotation and the bumping around is probably Clay now is probably going to play more forward minutes than 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 guard minutes. He's going to start at guard, but when it really comes, who's he guarding, Slater? Who's he guarding? Yeah, threes. I mean, that's the other thing. Like he he, you would rather guard him, have him guard the Kevin Loves of the world than the Damian Lillards of the world. They talk about like he guarded Tatum and you know some in, in the finals. Like it's just that's his body now, and he can do it. He can he can do it, and that opens up where you can get pull the 30 minutes wiggins basically turns into the guy guarding the twos right that's how it, or the great threes well also needing to rebound like a four and they believe he's going to do that now because he's like unlocked that part of his game in the playoffs it is <laughs> that's the why key. they had to sign andrew wiggins and then, you know listen we didn't know when it was going to come but we all knew he was going to resign he was not leaving the warriors but if you if it comes down to it and i'm skipping over i'm sorry but but it's all overlapping. If Clay isn't going to be able to do some of these things, and if they're kind of knocking down the rotation a little bit here and there, Andrew Wiggins picks up a ton of it. So these are all the kind of calculations they're making. And I'm saying all this in the Clay Thompson thing, but you know, Clay Thompson's 42, whatever the hell he is. Like you, you have to make some accommodations when you have a guy who isn't doing the thing that you thought he was going to do when you signed him to that contract. Yeah, I mean, I would say the last thing on Clay, it was 18 points in 20 minutes, which he like. He quoted to you. He quoted. He quoted to you. He he was like, pretty good if I do say so myself. He's feeling. He's feeling good. He's feeling very good. Which is thirteen shots, by the way. I think he had eleven shots in like his first eleven minutes. He's pulling. He's pulling. He's pulling that shot. And you ask what you want if you're the Warriors. You don't want him giving up shots. That's for sure. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, and he'll slowly expand to more minutes. And you know, clearly the offensive game is feeling really good. Uh, Let's stick with uh, Pool. Because we kind of talked about it. He played 28 minutes in the opener. Four of 15, which is, you know, he actually came in at a time early when, that. remember, the offense was looking bad early. Davis was everywhere. And he hit two threes that I thought kind of stabilized them early. I think his first two shots were two made threes, step back on LeBron, and then a transition three. I believe those were his first two shots, so that would mean he went two of 13 the rest of the game. Yeah, 0-6 from three, I think, the rest of the game. Well, no, 0-7 because he was 2-9 from three. But... Seven assists, and they were seven like impactful assists, right? His pick and roll with Wiseman a couple times. Uh, he was making really nice, like on the dot transition passes to Clay and Steph. One of my takeaways from the game was like he is taking away more control of the offense. Like they, they're just giving him more responsibility, and it's no longer like, oh, well, it's nice that he can kind of take over for Steph and Draymond when they're out of the game. It's also like they're in the game. It's late second quarter. They're closing with him over Looney, and he's like the one rebound goes. They're looking for pool, and he's getting them up the court. And that's, you know, it's kind of a changing of the guard slightly in that sense. And that Steph is comfortable with that. I think that. But that's the, I think the first possession when he comes into the game for Clay, they all automatically get the ball in transition and throw it to pool. And there's Steph running down into the corner. Like they just do this automatically. Now, that was not the case for most of last season. I don't really think it was the case in the playoffs. Like it's automatically Jordan Poole get the ball in his hands. Because he can create. And, you know, when you have Looney and Draymond on the floor, you need guys who can create offense. He's getting more comfortable with that. I, you know, we've seen Jordan have 413 or whatever shooting nights, but then he's going to make a couple big ones. And then some nights he's going to be nine for 13. And, you know, that's going to be a huge thing. So 
the confidence there, again, another person who they had to pay. They had to pay him whatever the number is. And they can say, we're always going to do it, or people are going to say. They weren't ready to pay him what they end up paying him. <laughs> like, that changed. I don't think there's any question that number went up in the last couple weeks, whether it's Tyler Hero contract for sure, or obviously the Draymond punching him. They can say it didn't affect the negotiations. Maybe generally it didn't. I think it just jumped in. Like they had to sign him. There was just, there was no question about it. If he wanted to sign a contract, they had to find a number where he could come back. I think the game one was a reminder that against mediocre teams, average teams, teams that don't defend it at an elite level or teams that don't pick on pool so relentlessly, like in a playoff atmosphere, like a Boston did, even Memphis did in that second round series that whatever you want to call it, pool party lineup, you were saying death and maxes, but that three-guard lineup where Looney sits and it's Wiggins at the four, Draymond at the five, that is their closing lineup, I think, in a bulk of the regular season because it does just barbecue like mediocre defenses. Yeah, the ball's pinging around, and you know there's three serious three-point threats, maybe four if you put Wiggins in there. That's the old school. Here's a question I'll throw out there. Looney, plus 30. And we know they don't always finish with him, but they finish with him in some postseason games, Slater. And you're going to want pool finishing a lot. So how do you do that? Over the course of the regular season, guys are going to miss games. And we'll get to that as we get deeper into the rotation about how you find minutes, right? There's going to be Clay. Like, will Clay play back to back this year? So, you know, and there'll be nights where maybe Wiggins doesn't have it. Maybe nights where Draymond either doesn't play or doesn't have it. I think there are ways to fit Looney in or just certain matchups. Like, look, they're playing Denver on Friday. If Jokic is just great and they feel like they need Looney and an extra body out there, then have Looney out there and don't close with Poole. Like, Poole doesn't have to close every game. But I would say majority of regular season games where everybody's available i just expect them because i feel like they want their identity to kind of be this three guard pool lineup to close with those five and you know how much those guys are making next season by the way combined what's 178 or 172 i think 172.5 that's that's got to be a record right there like you got five guys if they all stay and draymond does his player option well, the other point, like the way John Krasinski points out, they're all on $100 million plus contracts, every single one of them. That's unprecedented. I don't think there's been a team necessarily that's had four very often. They're going to have five, but that's talent. That's retaining talent, and the Warriors have to figure out from there. Jordan Poole is going to be closing for this team you know, in the future. You said it was the, those five combined next season are 172. Something like that, yeah. So this season, only five teams have more than that as a team salary. Clippers, Warriors, Nets, Bucks, Celtics are 175 million above. The sixth highest salary team is the Lakers. They they're 169.9 million. So they combined would be the sixth most expensive team. And the salary cap is 134 next season, by the way, projected. So they're already 40 over the salary cap with five players. That's part of the numbers here. But anyway, that's just part of the larger picture. Jerome Poole is part of this. Like he's a huge part of this. I'll just like I think you meant you and Marcus mentioned this a little bit, and we we thrown up like there's a way to, for the Warriors to get out of the salary cap thing, the luxury tax thing, without getting rid of Draymond. But it's either trading Wiggins or Clay or Jordan, and they're not trading Clay. Just that it's impossible to get off that number. Do you think there's any universe where they could trade Jordan Poole next season? Sure, you can concoct theories in your mind of like a playoff run where he just like cannot stay on the floor defensively, but they still like are dragging themselves to 
key wins because Draymond is coming off a great regular season and then is everywhere in the playoffs. And, you know, the key decision makers still believe, you know, a couple title runs are available and, and Draymond is because of his defense and particularly in a playoff setting is, is too vital to lose. There's other ways to sh- shave tax money. I mean, we've talked about Wiseman's 12.1. A couple of the other rookies have bulkier salaries than like regular minimums loonies now and like what like the eight ish million seven million range so sure there are paths and there are worlds where maybe something like that happens um and pool is like eminently tradable right but the problem is you know if you're like pools contract super tradable you could get assets like part of the idea of needing to get off a salary is not bringing salary exactly back. It defeats you're, the purpose you're, you're getting picks back, back right if, if you're doing that anything they do they're getting picks back because they need like zero coming back in salary so i just think it's set up and again i think they get annoyed when it's presented like this but it's just a reality i don't think the rest of the league is confused by this they're getting off of one of those three guys, and we know the one who did not get the contract is a likeliest. So let's just end. We'll get to that later, maybe. Let's go to Steph. 33 points, seven assists, four steals, and a block. Played a complete game, rugged game. Got nine free throws, made all nine. Like, his shot wasn't there early. He finished four or 13 from three. But it was just like classic superstar, like, you know, kind of muscling his way through a game. But then he sees, like... The door needs to be shut, and he just kind of shut it with like that just one little bulk stretch that I thought kind of you know killed the Lakers' spirits, which included that four point play. Which has he set an NBA record? Jamal Crawford had the NBA record for four point. I still think Crawford, but maybe I haven't. I mean, Crawford's got to be getting close. How many times have you seen him do the one, two, <laughs> yeah, three, lot, four? A lot. And he takes those contested threes. That's that's how you get them, right? You're taking contested threes. You're not setting your feet. You got people flying at you. You're coming off the screen. And somebody bangs into you or you know puts their feet underneath yours. That's how he got that one. Uh, and and you hit the three. He's un- unbelievable in contested threes because he has to take so many of them because he's always being guarded. Now that was a real like I don't need to prove anything. I don't. I'm not antsy because this is a ring ceremony. I'm not like gonna get tense because I missed my first six threes. Although Marcus and I were saying, you know, remember the last time he didn't make a three, which was. The last time they played a home game at the Chase Center was with Game Five of the NBA Finals, which came right after his ridiculous game in TD Garden, uh, Game Four, when he was unbelievable all-time Steph game. So it's just this weird chase. What was it? Chase Center going to be a bad place for him to shoot now? And then, of course, he hits the next couple. But it just the patience. The I got this. This isn't going to be a problem. And that's what a superstar is. Like it just isn't. I, I'm I'm going to get this, and and I got good teammates, and I can let Clay shoot. Two guys run at me, banging around, and then somebody really good is going to get an open shot, and, and or I could go create, could get the free throw. And he was finishing really nicely, and that's sort of like Anthony Davis standing there. I mean, we've talked about this for years, but man, one of his really underrated qualities is what a great finisher he is with both hands, either side of the rim, and he has to be, you know, because he gets those drives to the rim because they're overplaying him so much at the three. Our fearless producer, Brian Smith, says that uh, Crawford is one, Harden is number two. I my, Can you shoot in there how where Steph is on that rankings, if you can see it? Also, I wonder if you could – I bet that's a regular season stat. I wonder if you combine the postseason because I feel like so many of those one, two, three, four Steph celebrations have come in the postseason. So maybe if – kind of like how LeBron is technically the points leader right now, but just if you include playoffs, but Kareem – 
still is because it's just regular season. Slater's just declaring it. He's just like, I'm deciding that Steph's the number one, and I don't care. Unofficial so, stat keeper. <laughs> Slater, Slater stat. All right, uh, Wiggins, 29 minutes, like, you know, I feel like he's the one that's, like, readiest to just, like, all right, Steve, I can go 40. <laughs> like, you know, he could play 40 minutes. I uh, actually had five fouls, but six rebounds, five defensive. I mean, I'd say that's kind of the one thing I want to talk about with him. Uh, Steve mentioned it post-game. Andrew Wiggins has mentioned it even over the summer. He went on Andre Iguodala's podcast. But, like, in the playoffs, he just turned into a really good rebounder out of nowhere from, like, a very disappointing, like, four-ish rebounds per game over his entire career to this, like, very impactful 7.7 rebounds per game like second in the nba and offensive rebounds in the playoffs type attacking wing long bouncy you know he, he didn't kill it on the glass in this game but again particularly when they go small like this is who he has to be and this is it's just such a key part of his game for this team and he seems like he's entering the season with that mindset i agree and i just part of the laker conversation after that was just i talked to some of the people around them i was like God, the Lakers are so small. I mean, they are small, right? I mean, LeBron's playing the four, AD's playing the five, AD doesn't like playing the five, and when they sub out, it's they get even smaller. And I was thinking, you know, the Warriors aren't that big, right? They're not big. You know, maybe Wiseman can be good. We can, we're going to talk about them, but like their, their main five are not big. Yet part of that is because Wiggins plays so big at the three, you know, and we could even call him it's the big two. Whatever he's playing, he's defending twos. He's doing everything, but he's just... He's big. He plays big. Like the last time somebody that size, I can, in my mind, that played that big was Kobe. And I'm not comparing Wiggins to Kobe as a player at all. I'm just saying he's got that size where you can match him up with six foot nine guys and you can match him up with six foot two guys. And that's why Wiggins is so valuable to the Warriors. They thought he was valuable like from day one. We're all kind of like, hmm, I don't know. And he's only gotten, gotten better and better. And he plays big and small. And, you know, they kind of need that, you know, the guys who can match up with any kind of roster they're going up against. And Wiggins is just getting better. And, you know, uh, were you talking to him? I was talking to him afterwards to, in, the, in the locker room. And he was just so relaxed. Marcus just wrote a big story about it. So people should read that. But, Absolutely. yeah, no, it, it captures where he is just, you know, talking about his, you know, he's showing off his new necklace and just you could just feel his comfort level just exploding obviously from june and may last season on to now and he just feels really good in this spot and he's got the new contract and he's got his family out here and it's just like he's got roots here this is where he belongs and we're seeing it on the basketball court we saw obviously we saw in the playoffs last season but i think that ability like steve kerr said you are guarding the best guy on the other team every single series and you're going to score two you're going to dunk on luca he didn't probably say say that but that's what happened and you're going to rebound i mean jesus that's like was he the second best player on the warriors in the playoffs i think he i think he was we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. 
Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Warriors do it so cumulatively that it's not as loud of a second best player on a title team because it's like so even beyond Steph in a lot of ways. But yes, I would say he was was the second best player like consistently through those playoffs. Four of seven from three in the opener too. He had four threes. He gets those open wing, you know, threes, and he's pulling them. Like he's pulling. And he's not gonna make them. You know, we know he's what's he thirty four, thirty five percent three, maybe in his career, probably not even that high. But you, you know, part of it is the willingness to take them, and then at some point you're gonna hit some big ones. They need that because it's gonna be open. Everyone's running to the other guys. Bing, bing, ball comes to you. Pull that shot. And then sometimes you pump fake it, the defense responds to you, and you go and you fly down the lane. So very, very valuable player, extremely valuable player, and only becoming more valuable to the Warriors. Draymond played 25 minutes. Um, he's like not on the full claim type minute restriction, but because he missed basically a week at camp, he's not yet going like 30 like the other guys. And you could see that a couple times. They were, they were pulling him out quicker. You know, they were trying to get him. I was wondering if he was going to close because, you know, I thought the minute might. And he did check back in. Yeah, he did. uh, And, you know, he might not have come back in. And the Lakers went on that little run. It would get it down to 11, whatever it was. Yeah, he's on some minute restriction. And plus, that's a way they can get Kaminga and Wiseman more minutes. I think that's part of it. Like, it helps. If you say he's only going to play 25, that means you can get another five for Kaminga, another three for Wiseman. I wrote about Kaminga and Wiseman. You know, the shadow conversation is that they are vying for minutes that could be very much there next season, and we know why. But, oh, Wiseman's a center. No, no, no. They think of they don't think of positions sometimes. They think about what you do. And Wiseman, they're hoping, can be a little bit of the rim protector or even a lot of the rim protector, a lot of the defensive kind of back line that they, you know, Draymond's been for so long that some, they need somebody who can do that. It's not really loony, loony in position wise, but again, I'm skipping over players, but you start with Draymond, I'm going to throw out some of these things. And so when you depress Draymond's minutes a little bit, you know, oh, accidentally you're getting more minutes for those two guys. I think that's something to watch. Yeah, he didn't seem to love the fact, you know, when he was getting pulled a couple times, but no, you know, especially like it. the last one, yeah, especially the yeah. last one, you know, because they were it was closing time. Uh, I mean, look, and there are hundreds of conversations out there about you know his future with the Warriors, the the current situation, you know, regarding him and pool him and just really the entire locker room in some ways. But as far as how he looked on the court, I thought he looked fine. You know, he's moving pretty good. Made a couple of real nice plays, like offense, like he gets into the lane, draws a defense, bounce pass to the guy who's cutting. He just always knows that. He always feels that. Got a few layups himself, too, on like, you know, well-timed cuts. He obviously had that a connection with Jordan Poole where it was like a really sweet, like, you know, side bounce pass through the pocket. So his game seems to be in a pretty good place right now, Draymond. He's a really good player. He's just a really, really good player. Still absolutely a good player. Looney, uh, you mentioned it, plus 30 in 21 minutes. We don't have to do much on him, right? Another guy, I think he and Wiggins, right? They're the, right, they're the middle tier guys, right? They're the two kind of older 20s guys, but they're not in their 30s and they're not 21. And man, the Warriors, how, how, what would this dynasty be, be like right now if they didn't have those two guys? Well, we know they would only have three rings. Yes, instead it's of like four. they're so important, and they kind of, kind of stumbled into both of them. You know, they didn't target Wiggins when they're doing deals. He just was the best guy available when D'Angelo Russell was, in, you know, in the conversation. And Looney was the guy, as you keep saying, really well. 
They kept trying to replace Looney. How many different times? They've, Stadium- they've shoved him out the door like five <laughs> times, and he just keeps knocking. I was talking knocking. to Yovan on the Laker beat writer about, like, do they were Lakers even have a center? He goes, well, they got Damian Jones. I go, that's right. <laughs> they, they got Damian Jones, the, guy, the first guy the Warriors drafted to replace Looney. And uh, he's basically a non-factor in the NBA. Nice guy, whatever. Well, yeah, just think about the guys that there was a camp. I think it, it would have been, what? 17 18 what there was a, the year they had like six centers yeah it was I like think, was that JaVale who yeah, you know JaVale's now starting in Dallas so that's why Zaza who's like in their business side of their front office David West is out of the league Damian Jones as you mentioned backup center in LA actually has had a better you know later stage of his career than than maybe we expected Jordan Bell is another one they <laughs> drafted to, to <laughs> and loved early and they loved him er- yeah they loved him early absolutely yeah this was not that long ago. no it wasn't and Looney's the guy who is like essential. It's like I, I was asked, trying to find a way to phrase that question to Kerr after the game. He's like, like he's been praising Looney for years, but the minutes haven't always been there, or at least like they've always lined up other people to replace him. And they draft James Wiseman, you know, and all these things are like, and now Looney's like, that's the guy. That's the guy is Govan Looney. And I've been, you know, as we know, a little bit cynical of some of the things he does i'm off of that man the guy is so valuable plus 30 and how about his off the court emergence into like part of the character of the team i mean we've seen that very much obviously the last few weeks but really beyond you know last season and what we didn't see is like remember in in 19 when it was spellman and pascal and d'angelo russell like they didn't like who's that middle tier it's all of a sudden no livingston and no iguodala and it's just stefan draymond and clay clay was out so like who's that middle thing holding it together now they didn't have the young guys either they didn't have kaminga white and all that stuff but now they have that middle thing kind of kind of tying the vets like who's who was who was uh, wiggins joking with in the locker room after the game two nights ago it was jordan Poole. you know like that that kind of thread through they've got it with it's it's looney and wiggins and they're just so important yeah his leadership has shown through the last few weeks but just even the last two years like behind the scenes with wiseman and just welcoming wiseman in the way he has and you know part of that is because it's like oh they brought another guy in to replace him i think he can handle it. he just like laughs at the idea of like you know and i wrote about it some in that story i did about the two timeline era but it's like He's not shunning away Wiseman. He's trying to help Wiseman's grow so much. That could spell the end of his career. Part of the way they structured his this current contract he's on is only a $3 million guarantee in the third season. So if Wiseman explodes, there's a chance you know they can get off him cheap and yet he's sitting there after every you know every practice we walk in he he's over there with Dayhan and he's you know giving Wiseman rebounding tips and and you could tell Wiseman is just like attentively listening to him and that's so valuable because that's not how it always is with you know veterans being replaced by younger guys and this isn't the first contract where he's had that's been lower than market value for a championship starting center on a championship team this is two of them uh, and he could be bitter and upset. But I, I maybe like missing those first two seasons or, or most of the first two seasons probably like affected. Like he really values just being around because he almost was out of the league, right? He was a couple times now. He's almost they declined his option. Yeah. So I think it, he isn't those guys like, I'm ready. Give it to me. You know, I'm not saying Kaminga is that, but he's more of that than Kavon Looney. Like there's no question. Like he's like, okay, I'm ready to go. And you want that from your players. But I think with Looney, the Warriors are gaining, you know, accidentally gaining the value of someone who does not 
did not have that start in his in his career has had to go through delays and isn't like always like let's go 100 miles per hour now 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 like come on we can't go 100 miles per hour and that's good for them it's just kind of like slow and steady and even paced and they absolutely need that with some of the other personalities they got in there fifth in minutes played in the opener who would you just top of your head who would you guess was fifth in minutes played? fifth uh james wiseman Jamichael Green. Jamichael Green. No, okay. 23 yeah. minutes. Kerr likes him. We've said this, but Kerr likes him. He did two things that he has to do and did very well in his first appearance. He hit two threes. And, you know, he was hitting them in preseason, too. Like, he like the, he looks good was putting a question. Up. Yeah, he look, looks good putting them up. Because historically, his three had been good. It fell off a cliff last year for Denver, who they'll play Friday. So he's stretching the floor capably so far very early. And then he had five offensive rebounds. There was that one sequence where he got, like, two of them, and he was just – it was exactly what you want that Warriors like backup big man to do, which was like he was just, you know, kind of bumping around, getting himself to the ball, and then right when he got it, it was like, "Where's Steph Curry?" And he was just <laughs> kicking it back out. It wasn't like, you know, get it and try to power move yourself because you got an offensive rebound. So this is he's the auto porter replacement, and he's hitting threes early, and he's like rebounding. Like remember how big a big a factor Porter's rebounding was for them early last season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 18 and two, right? He was a huge part of 18 and two and, you know, to Michael Green's a slightly different player, but you can just tell Kerr really likes him. He's going to play him. He's in that second unit. He likes the way he spaces the floor with Wiseman and, and Kaminga, whether for sure Kaminga's going to be in there or not. I don't know on that second unit, but they really like him and he just puts his head down. Doesn't need the shot. They're never going to call play for him. He can play with Steph, and he can play with the other guys. Again, again, that bridge is really important. He's going to play some back of five, too. Now, they're not playing him at back of five. I don't think he's gotten a ton of minutes there, even in the preseason. But they're going to play him at back of five because there's teams that just don't play centers. You're not going to go Kaminga to Michael Green and Wiseman against the second unit does not have a center. Or if you do, you're you're really just trying to maximize your size. You know, there's a formula for Jamichael Green not to play very much if you just look at who else they've got. But I'm not going to think that's going to happen because I think Steve Kerr is going to play Jamichael Green. That can lead us into a conversation about Kaminga and Wiseman. You you just wrote, you know, a story about playing them together, which I do think is like it's an early good sign. And I even asked Kerr pregame about it. And he admitted like, you know, he came into the year thinking it wasn't going to work. And maybe that like last Denver preseason game particularly motivated him to, to try it. But Jermichael Green playing 23 minutes also does keep it. So regardless of us seeing Wiseman and Kaminga in the opener, it was 17 Wiseman minutes and 13 for Kaminga. Kaminga went great, but we should go to Kaminga. I mean, he went great in that game, but they got to play him. Like, he's only going to get better if he plays. More than 13 minutes. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play either one of them in the fourth quarter, and I got it, I, you know, the way the game was going. Well, Wiseman's going to play. Like, he he's the backup center. You are playing him. That's I think Kerr is somewhat committed to that. If he just doesn't screw up, and mostly don't screw up the, the Steph minutes. I mean, I, I could have put that in that column. Like, what was his rookie year? I think the number one problem they had with him out there, other than all the other things he was doing, he was screwing up the Steph minutes. Like in a historic way, it was unbelievable. He was dragging down the Steph minutes, and you cannot do that if you're a Warrior player. If you screw up the Steph minutes, you cannot play with Steph. And He's going to get Steph minutes as a backup center because Lee's going to come out at six-minute mark, and he's going to play the last six minutes of the first and third quarters with Steph, usually. And I think he's better at it. 
And with Kaminga, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, you know, I'm a fan of his game, his talent. Not a great first game. He, as Kerr said, he looked anxious. He did not make a shot. He, you know, he, he was okay defensively, but not great. He just, just d- didn't really do much. But I think you got to play them both. And then if, if to get them both minutes, I think you play them together. It's just like, let's just play them both out here. Let's see what happens. Put them out there with Steph. That's why I was surprised they were both out there with Steph. That's kind of why I wrote that. But it does tell you how important those two guys are for the future. And you know what? If you're going to play Wiseman 15 or more and Kaminga 10 or 15 or more, they're going to have to play some minutes together. And some of it's going to have to be with Steph. Let's see how it goes. Because they seem to be very good and very deep in a West that I don't think like a ton of teams are going to run away with great records, this regular season really sets up as like just a kind of an experimentation lab for Kerr where... You know, maybe you do lose a few extra games that you wouldn't have trying a bunch of stuff that is not trying to maximize every night and, and, and winning every game and trying to get to 63 wins or whatever. You know, and there's going to be games coming up. You know, they have a couple back-to-backs. I know in the first month they have two back-to-backs where the backside is New Orleans on the end of a road trip. Young guys might just be going against that good Pelicans team both of those nights. So there's going to be several times to experiment with several situations, but... That is going to be like the constant angst is like, are they, when everybody's healthy, like, are the young guys getting enough minutes? And we'll get to Moody, who's on the deeper part of that That's conversation. Right. That's like, right. as the young bigs are dealing with Jermichael Green kind of ahead of him at this point, Moody's dealing with DiVincenzo ahead of him in a backcourt that has pool coming off the bench. I mean, and, you know, and, and we know, like, let's go, let's just go to Moody. Like, I mean, we know Kerr really likes him, right? I mean, he really likes Moody, and that's the first guy. But also, that might be a sign of how much they really trust Moody that they can say, okay, the first one, like they did with Steph when he didn't start against, you know, he was coming back in the first round. Like, we know you can take it. Like, we know you won't overreact to this. Some of the other guys, we're not so sure. So, Moses, first game. You're going to be the short end of the straw. You're going to be the 11th man. Other nights, you will not be 11th man. I was surprised. Were you surprised it was Moody, the one who was like the last guy in the game? Maybe in the moment, but then in retrospect, you're like, I thought DiVincenzo was ahead of him coming into the season. Part of that is just like being a veteran, but also like DiVincenzo's good and we'll get to him. And DiVincenzo does something Moody doesn't, which is handle the ball when needed. DiVincenzo brings the ball up the court. They don't inbound it to Moody and have him like, you know, dribbling up, calling a set. So that's DiVincenzo's value. And if DiVincenzo's like getting bulk minutes off the bench, like, you know, as we map it back, yeah, it shouldn't surprise us that it's Moody that's sitting at 11th. And honestly, it would have been Moody at zero minutes if Clay was on his normal minute total because he played a second quarter stretch of six minutes that would have been Clay if Clay could play his normal minute load. But the other thing about Moody is. And this is part of what you're kind of referring to. He gets in and he's like, makes two nice defensive plays, it's like sprints to the corner, like quick shot three makes yeah. it. And you're like, eh, you know, he kind of should probably play. <laughs> hey, they are super deep. Somebody's going to get this. There are reasons why it wasn't Moody playing very much, but also he's going to play. He's, he's, he's good. Like there's stuff he does. And, but also they know he's not going to overreact to stuff. Again, I don't exactly know. Because com- like if he's going to take some minutes within this context, and it's not from DiVincenzo, it's going to be from Kaminga. And so it's like, there's like you're going to take this. Like I just said, you got, Kaminga's got to play. That's how deep they are. There will be injuries. We know that, again, they're going to, veterans are going to rest. But, 
man, when you're taught when Moses Moody is your guy that doesn't really get into the rotation, you're pretty good. You are pretty good. And that's without Clay playing his full allotment. That's without Draymond playing his full allotment. We've been on this for a little while, but man, this is a deeper team than they've had. Even the strength of numbers team was not like this. There were veterans who had to play, you know, Livingston, Iguodal, all that stuff. But this is just the, the, the sheer talent and what they need to do and develop and all that. Like, this is Moses Moody being 11th man is, is and, and you can logically figure out why he's the 11th man is pretty remarkable. That's what struck me the other night, kind of what I wrote about. But it's not even just like, oh, they're 11 deep with like, you know, good rotation players. It's like they, they probably have right now you would consider the most reliable five-man unit in basketball, their starters. Like that was the best playoff unit. And they were plus 14 the other night, by the way, the starters together. Um, and then you have the six-man of the year favorite right now. I mean, that's what Vegas says. Jordan Poole is a six-man of the year favorite. He's getting $123 million. So, <laughs> you know, best starters – Best bench player, two really well-fitting veterans that that you know you don't want to say yet that that they hit again, kind of like a Porter Gary Payton, but you know DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green seem to fit what they need much more than like you know when they tried the Kent Bazemore's the Ubrates of the world. So that's eight, and then yeah, these three lottery rookies, or I shouldn't say rookies, but lottery young players that have a lot of growth potential, and I would say all three of them at this point. I mean Wiseman, it's been very rocky, but you're encouraged about where they're going. That is as sturdy of an 11 man setup that I can ever remember, really. Yep. <laughs> they're deep. They're just ridiculously deep. And the pressures are like these young guys got to play. Like I keep saying, whatever. And they have not had that either. Like these guys got to play. What are you doing if you're not playing these guys? You're already not going to play ball when they're all in very much. So there are unique pressures on this roster, but you kind of want them. You want the competition. We saw it blow up in a bad way. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but whatever pressures, whatever led to that, I think we can all guess on some of it, but also it's just pure competition. And, you know, I, I don't know, like the, the, the veterans are so established. I don't know that many of them could possibly lose much of their role, but they could lose a little bit of their role if they don't play great. They, they, they could. Steph's not, but the rest of them, if they go through a you know couple week bad stint, maybe they see their minutes decline. That would be an interesting time in the season. We got to hurry up here a little bit. We're we're going too much on everybody. I got to get out of here pretty soon. So let's run. Well, we've hit all eleven. Here. I mean, we kind of roped a Divincenzo conversation into the moody thing, but you know, we'll 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 see how that kind of plays out in in the coming days. Anything else from the opener? I mean, they got Nuggets Friday. Kings Sunday, the 0-1 Kings after a rough. Were you there? Slater, were you there? I know you. Yeah, I was there. I was there. <laughs> Fox looked good. They, they 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 had control of the game late. And then Portland, which was interesting, Nurkic was Nurkic. bad, really bad. And they don't have very good backup centers. But they went to Jeremy Grant and Justice Winslow, small ball against Sabonis. And it worked. They turned the game. And you have Gary Payton. I was at a Portland shoot-around yesterday in Sacramento. Gary Payton was like going really full tilt on a workout. Like he seems like he's getting pretty close. Once Portland gets Gary Payton back in, they got some small ball combinations they can go to. Not that, I mean, I don't know why I've roped us into this conversation. We're going to go 11 man rotation Kings one by one here. One by one. <laughs> this is the year of the former warrior. Damian Lee, you know, freaking beating yeah, the that? Mavericks on his own. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I didn't even know he was on that team and he's closing this game. There were reasons, obviously, but. Uh, we saw. I think we all saw the Steph reaction, which was hilarious. But uh, let's get this the uh, the former Warrior. What's Otto Porter up to these days? Uh, Toronto Raptors. Uh, his Raptors got a win yesterday. Yep. I yep. Know that. So 
It's uh, let's, uh, there'll be a lot of watching some of the former Warriors out there. What's Bielitsa doing in that Euro League? We gotta check that out. Probably dominating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will talk to you. We'll do a breakdown of the Warriors plus minus roster one by one next time. We'll, we'll evaluate how we're all doing. Marcus got a slow start. I'll tell you that slow start for Marcus. So we will talk to you at some point soon. Hey.